This is Connor. And this is Paul. And, and welcome, welcome to, to Silver, Silver Screamers. Screamers. Your next decade jumping. Oh, damn it. Keep going, keep going. Head blending. Fuck a fuck. You want to write it down, sweetheart? Your next genre jumping decade head blending film podcast. <laughs> we got there. I got it. Connor, you never want to do anything interesting anymore. I don't think that's a fair criticism. Fuck me next to your dead mom, then. <laughs> Jesus. That was a quote. I would just like to preface that. <laughs> so Paul just lined me up for that and he said, this is what you're going to say. And now I'm horrified. Thanks, Paul. Well, I was <laughs> quoting, merely quoting... Your next cinema masterpiece. <laughs> cinema masterpiece. As it Your is. next, the final chapter of our slasher series. Slasher series. It's been a kind of a weird week. I think every week recently has been weird, but it's a really weird been year. Particularly weird and particularly unsettling, I suppose. Um, yes, it's been a. It has been a, a peculiar week of sorts it's been very odd and it's been kind of scary looking at the news recently with everything that's going on in america at the moment and pretty pretty tragic circumstances which has uh, led to somewhat of a revolution very interesting times and hopefully it's the beginning of change we just want to say it's silver screamers that yes black lives absolutely matter and it's terrible that even has to be said we actually, we will, uh, we, uh, I, uh, we will talk a bit about more about that, I think, when it comes to picking our next theme and the podcast going forward. I think we've actually, part of this podcast, we've always tried to, to talk about diversity in films and, and representation in that. Yeah. How important that is to Absolutely. societies. We're ever learning, ever growing. Um, we did, if you look at our Twitter page, Civil Screamers on Twitter, we did tweet some particular petitions that you can sign there's petitions there uh, and there's also areas that you can donate um, and we would encourage you to do so but towards the end of the podcast i have a few things to to maybe talk about us moving forward yeah we just wanted to state that out there silver screamers is behind black lives matter trans lives Um, matter uh, yeah it's been a and and it's it's really demonstrated a lack of i think compassion and leadership in the current U.S. administration in how it's being dealt with. Yeah, it can be easy in Ireland as well. We live in a little Midlands town in the middle of Ireland, and it can be easy to say that we don't have those same issues insofar as black people aren't getting killed by the police here. But, you know, we but don't have the best reputation. Definite, definitely still racism in Ireland. Absolutely. Six months ago, a couple were featured in a little ad. A mixed-race couple were featured. And... A huge amount of hate. I think a lot of people just saw any. I mean, I suppose the fact that we're a gay couple, we can perhaps uh, be empathetic to the fact that our relationship isn't the standard. Therefore, when we see ourselves represented in media or ads, a lot of people will say, oh, pandering, as if just seeing us on screen is somehow some sort of political movement. I think some people have. They, some people find change difficult and I personally think it's a fantastic testament to uh, the progressiveness of Ireland 
and us as a people, as you know, not just Irish, but you know, the world, when we see integration, when we see new cultures, when we see people on TV being represented, uh, inter interracial relationships, a relationships, whatever, you know, minority group is being represented at the time. But I think it's a great thing to see. I think people, certain people have fears over a loss of heritage, a loss of, you know, what they consider or what they were brought up to believe was an identity that they held quite close and they find that that change quite difficult to see in society and they lash out at it uh, unfortunately yeah i mean that couple had to leave ireland ridiculous crazy ridiculous and it wasn't that long ago that um uh ibrahim halawa the irish man who was falsely jailed in egypt for four years and anytime there was any movement to release him everyone was like he's not Irish because he's brown skinned he, what, why, why, why was he over there all the, the narrative was always do you know who I'm talking about was he the kid that went over to protest well I think he was a young I guess he, he was a young I don't know what he was like a teenager when he went and he was a young man when he left unfortunately he was in jail for four years for with no charges and you know we also have a big issue with racism towards travellers in Ireland so yeah it's shit <laughs> basically um, in summary in summary it is it's, it's shit. shit however I hope it is my hope that this year I mean this year will be this is a groundbreaking year in so many areas and hopefully this is the what's the opposite of a calm before a storm <laughs> a, a cam, the opposite of a calm before a as storm as in like this is the the big you know the battle in the third act of a film before the film oh, relaxes okay. to its standard. I don't actually know if there's an equivalent saying. Well, maybe the we've created the third new act things. of a film. Yeah. <laughs> um, so anyway, we would just like to lend our support uh, to the Black Lives Matter. And like I said, I think uh, there's there's petitions that you can sign on our Twitter. That being said, do you want to have a little chat about Let's your talk next about slasher movies? <laughs> um, I heard. Oh, hi, magic! Magic's no. come in beside me there. I heard uh, that cinemas are opening August tenth. That's in, that was okay. So they were originally meant to open August tenth, which was phase five of the government's plan to reopen the country. I think that's been brought forward. I think they've gotten rid of phase five, and now they've brought phase four forward to phase three which is the end of june i think so cinemas will be open at the end of june i think like right at the end maybe probably the start of july um but that's i, I i've only heard this second hand so i haven't actually looked at the guidelines online or uh, any changes to them i googled yesterday and it said august 10th but it's everything is changing so quick it's hard to I, okay so on may 4th which is nearly a month ago it stated Ireland's to allow cinemas to reopen from August 10th and yeah, I can't that was the that was the original plan but I can't see any updated news since then the plan, about well, cinemas they, in particular I, I know they've said it on uh, I've heard Leo talking about <laughs> proposals I, to, to bring things forward July 20th just see it there it's official Irish cinemas will open from July 20th it's not official because <laughs> that's <laughs> changing I'm literally reading I the, know but uh, like it, was, it was official for August 10th in, in May so we'll see but that's <laughs> literally the again. headline of entertainment.ie which was updated two hours ago it's official Irish cinemas to reopen July 20th we'll see yeah what are they going to show I know there's nothing to, <laughs> they'll have to go back and start showing like The Wizard of Oz or something I'm fine with that well, no, I think they'll probably show the films that were in the cinema just as lockdown. Maybe your next genre can be, because we have to pick a genre at the end of this one, maybe the next genre could be whatever is in the cinema. <laughs> yeah, 
I mean, I am a big fan of going to see classic but cinema. They don't just have one film on in the cinema at a time. No, but I'm a, no, but they wouldn't be in different decades. They might. Well, maybe. I'm a big fan of cinemas showing classic films. I used to live beside a cinema in Glasgow that had two screens. One was what's new, and one was a classic film. Because you, once a film leaves the cinema, you lose the chance to see it on the big screen. And you and I love that experience unless you're like unless you're Marvel and you bring back Infinity War and Endgame for a second yes a second round just to try and get your numbers up so you can yeah. say yeah. you're the biggest movie of all there's time there's something special about seeing a film on a big screen and I Absolutely. really miss it and Con and I are big cinemaphiles it's a thing that we do I'd say at least once a fortnight I'd say that's yeah well I suppose it depends what's in the cinema at the time yeah be a f- I'm always like okay Connor, that's a film I want to see and you'd be the same that Paul about the film I want to see and usually the other one's compliant compliant <laughs> <laughs> um, there have been words before like going to the cinema over here is very special I find and I think it's really fun but you know in Scream when they're the, the second the first uh, sorry it's Scream 2 I think Ooh, nice the, segue to slashers yes there you go the second movie Scream 2 the first scene is in the cinema Mm -hmm. and they're all running around and screaming and throwing popcorn and flying around the place and all that kind of stuff and I remember watching that actually in the cinema and thinking that must just be for the movie they couldn't possibly do that but Grace Randolph who we've mentioned a few times I think they do kind of act like that oh I've been to the cinema in America and it is like that that's mad not every cinema I went to but um, I went to see oh what was that Stephen King it's uh, John Cusack and he's in a hotel room in a taunt at oh, 1308 room, room 1308 something like that I don't think it is 1308 1408. 1408 and I saw that in a, a cinema in America and the audience were like interactive but it I enjoyed it. The only time it, I like, well, it, maybe it, maybe that. at a silly movie like that where you don't yeah. want to listen and yeah, you yeah. know you're not care. But I'd say that's really annoying if you're there. Like, I do like I I, I went to see. Okay, here's an admission. I went to see Twilight, the second Twilight movie, with my mom when it came out back in 2000, I don't know, 10 or something. When I was like 15, of course. Um, 26. <laughs> nobody else would go with me. And I know that at the end, there was a... The, the last scene is Edward goes to Bella. Uh, oh, I've got one condition. Marry me. And somebody just in the in the audience shouted, Say yes, you stupid bitch! And I kind of, I like that, but like, you know, that's about it. Otherwise, it's kind of annoying. I remember I went to see Titanic in 1997. And around that time, laser pens were a big thing. Oh, for God's sake. So. Oh, God. Yeah. So in the draw me like one of your French girls, Jack, scene, there was these kids with laser pens on your one's nipples and all that kind of stuff. And like people, like some of the, some of the older people in the audience would that been, would piss I would me off been like 13 or something but like some of the some of the parents were there and they were like hey you know cut yeah, it that out would piss me off yeah. I don't want to see red pen on Kate Winslet's bosoms I want to enjoy them in their yes, bosomy goodness I do I think Kate Winslet's bosoms were probably the first bosoms I ever saw on screen <laughs> certainly in the cinema if it's a film like Rocky Horror Picture Show or Cats, I think if I was if Cats, so Cats isn't a good film. We've discussed it lots of times before in this podcast. Uh, debatable, okay, no, yeah, whatever. okay. However, I would be all up for a Cats 
screening at midnight with a bunch of people dressed as cats all singing along and throwing pop that sounds no, that's I think that's fine pretty. as long as you know what you're getting in for yeah and I think if I was to see a and classic Rocky Horror yeah that type of thing if I was to see a classic I've seen loads of times before I know all the lines I would be all up for that but if I'm seeing a film for the first time yeah I want to be just in a and I think Irish cinemas typically are pretty good didn't just Grace Randolph said when she came over to well it wasn't Ireland it was the UK or something but she, she was couldn't shocked. get over how, how well behaved everyone was yes. mind you she would also go to screeners and scre- have you ever been to a screener a screamer a, scree- a screamer maybe oh, if this podcast gets big we might get invited to some what do you mean if it's <laughs> huge when, already yeah 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 for all 14 ever listens to scream <laughs> I worked for a magazine very briefly and I did a bit of film reviewing and you would get invited to a cinema or sometimes it was a private cinema once it was in this guy's home he just had this big cinema and about 20 reviewers went in I think when we buy our house we should have a room I like know, that. yeah totally yeah you got to go to a screener and they and like it's all journalists so it's very respectful uh, I saw about five films that way it was brilliant I saw one of them was Hannah Montana that wasn't so brilliant to, I think a cinema to be a film critic you have to love cinema therefore and I and I do think and this is something I'm quite proud of that we've done is that we generally celebrate the film and if you look at our list we have apart I think nine is probably the one that we've been the most critical of but we still find I think you have to let me just scratch that off the list no 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 because there's merit there's there's I still think there is merit in parts of it and I and I think I think I want to listen to celebration of cinema rather than I, I haven't got a whole lot of time for YouTubers or critiques that literally just watch films and when they're when they're watching the film they're just thinking <laughs> this is a great way of slating that film and like insulting every actor and, and I think that's not a nice side of critiquing like those crazy people on Twitter and we're not like that we celebrate cinema here that, <laughs> that, that very being said celebrate we Son do we do and in fact your next is a film that we watched during the week true and we're gonna Go on. critique it yes now <laughs> <laughs> but before we do Connor why don't you tell everyone what they're listening to oh 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 in case they've forgotten you know those 14 people uh, you're listening to Silver Screamers. Silver Screamers is our film podcast where we pick a theme or a genre and dissect four films in that theme or genre from different decades. And this week we are covering your next in our slasher series. Slasher series. Slasher series. Yeah, we have. I we have done. We have done our homework for this season. We have been watching slashers constantly the last couple of months, weeks. I'm glad you say we, but okay. No, we have. Uh, just in terms of watching. Oh, in terms of watching. We have been we watching, watching slashers, slashers up right the wazoo. Yeah. Since the last episode. All slashed out. So we'll be, we'll be we'll quick fire around one or two sentences about these films, okay? Because we wanted to kind of build up our repertoire of slashers. To, uh, so we, we saw a couple of classics. So we saw the original My Bloody Valentine. Connor? Yeah, not great. I thought it was great. Not great. I no, really enjoyed great. it. I thought it was a good it was old, fine. a good classic. A bit if, weird. It was it was a nice little setting. It was some interesting kills. Acting was okay. Mm. I liked it. Didn't mind it. One guy sold the shit out of his out of being like traumatized. He was Oh, he there was, was this like yeah, there was this one acting. He was only in like two scenes and some of like some of the actors were all like, Oh no and like ah and this guy he had his PTSD on that screen on straight away yeah and I appreciated that I thought he did a good job um, yeah I did um, so I would say he, he was this very small 
character in it. Oh, like in two scenes. Two scenes. He just basically and witnessed a kill and then was, was like, in one more scene after. I am milking this for all it's yeah, worth. Yeah. This is going to get yeah. me onto, yeah. you know, Home and Away yeah. or something. Yeah. <laughs> Home and Away in 1980. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Dynasty. Dynasty. Yeah. Okay. Also, one really funny thing about that is they picked this old mine and then the, vi- the town that the mine was in was like, oh, if Hollywood are here, we have to make it up. So they spent something like 50 to 60 grand doing the mine up making it pristine and then the film crew were like no we're doing? making a slasher so they spent another 50 grand making it crap again <laughs> <laughs> anyway okay uh, the next one we watched was a strange when a stranger calls uh, okay first scene iconic and phenomenal. great phenomenal phenomenal scene absolutely phenomenal the best opening scene. scenes of a horror movie was it a horror movie it's more of a thriller really um but one of the best scene, opening scenes of a tense movie ever. Then you get an arrow shite, approximately. And then the last scene, you know, in the house is okay. So, hmm. yeah. A friend, a friend of the podcast, Trainer. Oh, yeah. From the feckin' checkin'. Holla. Uh, he, uh, Twitter, twi- uh, <laughs> he tweeted, tweeted us. This is the second time you've... <laughs> he tweeted us saying, recommending that film the day after we had seen it, which is bad. Oh, yeah, okay. uh, and he's a, f- a fan of that film. Right, okay. Politely disagree with you, Trainer. I thought... Th- I agree with you, Con. I thought the first scene, incredible. And then it just... It, be- it was like... I thought it was like noir. It's more like, it's more like Catch Me If You Can then afterwards. I thought it was like a noir film. It kind of had the... Yeah. But it, not a good one. Like, it had the fan fidel. It had... It didn't know who its main character was. It was kind of a bullshitty thing about this detective who wanted to prove himself, but it didn't go anywhere. But it lost all suspense. All suspense. It was just this guy who was a bit crazy, who had gotten out of a, an insane asylum and found this woman who presumably he was but going then, to kill. But then she didn't. Uh, they were. Bi- she was interesting, and they were building her, building yeah, her. And then nothing. Then she didn't have any conclusions. So no, I, I didn't. Uh, sorry, I didn't. No, not for me. I did like the scene at the end. Oh, when so he terrorizes the babysitter in the first scene and then the last 15 minutes it goes back to her um, and they're out at dinner and she gets a call that says like, yeah know, she was the most yeah it was good but I mean we haven't seen her in an hour at that stage and we're like oh we no no yeah I know it's it's silly because she was actually the main character then she and wasn't then she was, and then and they then were like oh I guess she is again and, yeah. is the, and then for a minute there's, there's the femme fatale is the main character and then for a minute the killer is and then the minute there's it's, it was a mess. I thought it was a mess then we saw Urban Legend. Very, very, very 90s. It was like, do you know the uh, way they're the saying a poor man's? A I poor man's scream. I mean, like poverty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not great. No. 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 Not even uh, any interesting kills in it? I mean, yeah, but again, they didn't create them. They're all based on... Urban I mean, that, that's an interesting hook, I guess. Then we saw one of the Friday the Thirteenth Part Six. I think it was Part Six. It was, was Jason Lives. I thought it was fucking awful. Yeah, it was pretty Absolutely. awful. Absolutely, you just got I, totally distracted, and you were just on your phone. I just, just like, oh, I no. don't get the Friday the Thirteenth things. It doesn't have the slickness of Halloween. It doesn't have. It's not as fun as the Chucky. Uh, it was. It's not for me. There, I suppose there's a thing about slashers is that and what Scream has, I suppose, done well because the mystery is always new because it's a, it's a whodunit yeah. this time. Okay, There's no hook to the Friday the 13th films. This Friday the 13th part six was Freddy's, or sorry, Jason is dead. He's in the ground. He's buried. This guy comes along, moron, sticks a metal stake into the corpse of Jason and then lightning strikes it and brings Jason back. 
but then that's like there's no mystery there's no it's just him walking around there was with a machete freaking stupid scene with this like guy who we've never seen before in camouflage just like tiptoeing across the forest with like this with this like it wasn't funny yeah. I appreciate it. anyway it was awful I, I, and it is it was also we were trying to I wanted to, we kind of wanted to watch one of the Friday the 13th films for, there was one of them that was meant to be decent well the best rated one we couldn't find online so we watched the second best and there's about 50 of them so we the second best rated one should be a decent slasher and this was it so I washed my hands of that series I never want to watch another and one and I don't uh, and surprisingly the best rated one was not the first one well, I suppose the th- well, okay. The thing about the first one is, the first one doesn't have Jason in it. But it's still as a movie in itself. You would yeah, expect. but if I want to, I suppose I wanted to watch a Friday the Thirteenth film that had the essence of Friday the Thirteenth in it, and I don't think you can say the first one has that. Even if some people think it's a good I think film, it does have. Does it not have kind of Jason? But it just turns out that it's his mum in the first one. Yeah, but I just mean the hockey, the hockey mask, and and the is that not in no? it? No. Oh, no, hockey the hockey mask. mask isn't until the third one. He wears a, a cloth sack in the second one. Oh, jeez, okay. So, yeah. Anyway. I did uh, enjoy Freddy vs. Jason as a silly slasher movie. Yeah, but again, I think every all, all the interesting things in that are the Freddy parts. Yeah. Freddy is yeah, yeah. infinitely more interesting than yeah, Jason. That's true. Um, Black Christmas. Loved Black Christmas. Black Christmas was brilliant. That, was, that has been my favorite classic slasher that we've watched. And it's it's fantastic I think it's I, I really like the 70s style because it's in the 70s but I really like the style of it Connor and I, I want to know where to buy 70s clothes I if we had our way we would be both of us would be wearing 70s clothes constantly you, well you have a 70s shirt I have nothing to go with it <laughs> I need I need I need a fur coat with a big fur collar I need some flares I need some there's a, there's a lot of fur in this maybe. there's a lot of fur and but it's you need a faux fur freaking fantastic want, no fur. I don't want a real fur back to Black Christmas it's um, it's I think it's as good as Halloween and it's actually terrifying it's terrifying really scary Jason and Michael Myers that's uh, and Scream this kind of stalking thing where, the, where they're they're cool and collected there is something to be said for that and that, that is definitely scary but personally I find what I find scarier is someone just off the rocker so basically in Black Christmas there's a lot of uh, sorority who are getting phone calls and the phone calls are just manic it is just someone vomiting verbal attacks of different voices and what they're saying is kind of relevant to what's going on but it's it's, it's very creepy very crude it's very creepy they're making sort of screaming noises and deep breathing it's fantastic it, of all the films we've seen this month that is the scariest slasher I, I don't find slashers particularly scary I find them thrilling and enjoyable but I don't I don't find them I guess Nightmare is scary and I guess Halloween is scary but th- this to me is the f- most frightening also and I don't want to be too spoilery but Black Christmas is extremely progressive I would say it is one of the most progressive films uh, in terms of the main character oh yes and yes. the film I, and we won't say anymore but I, I, the way it treats that dilemma is extremely progressive and I uh, pretty well acted as well yeah anyway watch Black Christmas if you like yeah watch Slashers, Black Christmas watch Black good. Christmas and then the next one that we watched oh I thought that was it what was your next oh ah 
Oh, you got me. I did. You got me. Which is today's one. Which is today's um, podcast. And we have been moving forward. We have done three franchises, and I have to say, it was slightly refreshing. Even though I really enjoyed the research, it was slightly refreshing to cover a film that Where you didn't, didn't have to do, do any that. research. <laughs> and Connor, do you remember the moment when when you saw this for the first time? Well, we saw it together. It was like in the early days of our relationship. You know, well, two, mm, 2011. Well, we didn't see it in the cinema. We saw it on my, uh, in my when we were dating, and I and we watched it on my laptop. Oh, in bed. Yeah. Oh. Connor. <laughs> we just watched the movie. But Con- we, Connor loves a horror film that's been established, and we go we go through a lot of them, and this film was one of, and it sounds so generic you're next it sounds so generic and you suggested this and we watched it and i remember my memory of this was i was like oh wow this is actually a good film yeah so what my memory of this was that it was great so watching this five six years later thinking oh this is i'm really going to enjoy this my second time watching this a few days ago i was a bit disappointed Oh, well, that always happens, I think, when you you build things up in your head as being great. You know, it's the same with kind of cartoons from the 80s that you go back and watch and go, I actually liked this as a kid. I think because it's very different. It's a very different take on a slasher. Is it? Yes. Um, Hmm. There's a big twist in it. Hmm. That that's why you thought at the time, this is great. And then when you go back and watch it again, if you remember it, you're maybe thinking... I think because when we started watching this years ago we had watched so much shite because there's a lot of shite horrors and I was expecting this to be very mediocre and it's not it's a good film it It is is a good film but I think because it's all about your expectation versus the reality when I expected it to be crap and it wasn't I was delighted and my memory of it was that it was great and I went back to watch it thinking it's great and wasn't I, as great. I don't think. I don't think it's a great film. I think it's a good film. No, not a great film. I would agree. But uh, yeah, I thought it was very good. I, I enjoyed watching it the second time because I actually I had forgotten the, some of the twists in it. I have a good memory for stuff like that. Do you want to give your synopsis? My two forty. Mm. Oh, okay, you'll get this. There's nothing. I mean, you can sum it up in five sentences. It, yeah. it, it, it depends I mean, on how much. See if you can beef it up to two forty. <laughs> okay, so one. Oh right, here we go. Uh, Two. You need to do any. I need to keep it down. Three. Oh, okay. Oh Jesus. All right. Okay. So, uh, opening scene in a house secluded. Uh, two people having sex. They finish having sex. Your man goes off and has a shower. Your one goes and gets a drink, and the lights start coming on outside. It's secluded. There's nobody around, so she's like, "Oh, that's weird." She ends up dying anyway. The guy comes out of his shower, sees her outside, dead, blooded everywhere, and "You're next" written on the glass. Cut to a family traveling up to a country house for an anniversary, 40th anniversary of their parents. Very wealthy parents. They get to the house. Um, there's a woman and a guy uh, coming up behind them, in, and they're the main characters. They go into the house. Other siblings start to arrive, and they're like, thanks for coming. They all sit down to have an anniversary dinner, and there's all this kind of bickering between siblings. One guy gets up. One of the boyfriends goes over to a window thinking, what's out there? And an arrow comes and shoots him through the head. So they all start screaming. Another guy gets shot in the back. And they're all like, oh, fuck, this is bad. Um, they, you're One of the people, the main character, starts going, oh, okay, I need to start protecting these people. She runs around, she gets some weapons, uh, an arm comes through the, the glass, grabs her, she stabs him with the, the knife. So you kind of think that this one is um, pretty sound. She's competent. Good, she's competent. Um, 
she starts uh, uh, different people start dying uh, they say okay well we need to try and get out of here we need to run out they run it one of them runs out the door slits her throat the mother goes upstairs crying she gets killed because of somebody in the room with her uh, and they all start essentially being picked off mm-hmm. one by one uh, Crispin who's the main character's boyfriend runs off saying I'll go and get a, a phone signal and I'll, I'll call back for help uh, she starts organizing different traps and tricks around the house to, if these guys get in, that they'll, you know, stand on nails, that they'll, you know, different things that'll happen, like a mallet will come down and crash them in the head. Um, she figures out, she finds out that one of the other brothers is in on it and her girlfriend because they want to uh, get a big inheritance. So she ends up killing... Fuck me next to your dead mom. <laughs> yeah. uh, he kills one of the brothers. She kills him. She kills a lot of the other guys, these home invasion guys. Um, and eventually figures out that Crispin comes back her boyfriend and he's like oh I would have shared the money with you you weren't meant to get hurt she kills him she gets shot in the shoulder by a police officer and essentially that's it the police officer goes through the door big mallet comes down kills him and she's like shit and And then it goes you're next you're next and that's it how much time do you have left very good Khan there you go boom mic drop mic drop there's nothing else that's it all. so our there twitter is this on our website is <laughs> <Yeah>. this <laughs> and uh, give us a give rating us a, and yeah, review that's about it and we have 36 minutes in and there you go I, I have so little to say about this film why I think we can go through death scenes we can talk about the twists Twi- we can talk yeah. about the character okay first thing to say this is not your average slash movie average slasher movie you could argue this is actually a home invasion movie rather than a slasher home invasion movie yes but there's a is lot that of stabs a, would you say home invasion is a subgenre or a separate genre to slasher uh, well home invasion doesn't necessarily involve slashing or maybe I don't know what kind of slashers you need a lot of big body count a lot of stabbing oh, this is a huge body count huge body count and it's very slashy um like there's machetes and, the, there's and this and the, ha- and the characters have masks which I think yeah. isn't necessarily always a thing but is like quite the Strangers a- is a home invasion movie but really nothing none of the killing happens in that until the end I think this is a better film than The Strangers it is very creepy it's very creepy The Strangers but I think this is more interesting it's uh, interesting. I feel it's like there's more of a plot to this. Yeah. I mean, at least I mean this it's interesting because the main twist is the girl, the main character, the girl, the girlfriend, um, lived with her dad, who was a bit crazy, who caught her, who brought her out to the outback and taught her how to survive, essentially. And she turns the tables on these yeah. apparently military guys. I, 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 I would have, I would. I don't think that's a twist. I think it's a gimmick. And I don't mean... And I, that gimmick might sound uh, patch, uh, like I'm looking down on it, like it's a bad thing. I don't think so. A shtick, maybe. Okay, I don't think it's a gimmick. Shtick, I think it's a shtick. Right. Because it isn't like a, aha, I am really competent. It's more like a gradual realization that actually this girl knows her. But I think that's better. I don't think that's a sh- I think a shtick would be... Aha! I happen to be really good at defending okay, myself. Okay, maybe not. Maybe not a shtick or a gimmick. Maybe it's the film's hook. It's a hook. Yeah, definitely. It's, what makes this so? But that's that's fine. Yeah, no, it is fine. It is fine. And I think Erin uh, is the saving grace of this film because she's the most interesting thing by far about it. Therefore, until we find out how kick-ass she is, this film is yeah. yeah 
you find it that you find that okay. out pretty quickly because you you very quickly figure out you know when the arrow comes through and shoots the guy yeah, in the she's head. suddenly she becomes she's alpha tell, she's directing yeah. she's telling people what to do she's saying put the chair up and run past yeah. she's going into the kitchen she gets knives she turns on water to start boiling yeah she's you know she's, she knows her stuff she's taking control and one thing i really uh, so okay well we we'll, we'll talk about erin we can't she's the most interesting thing about this film so maybe we usually end with the I main i think there's too many characters to go character by character oh, way, i mean we yeah. can probably just go bam 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 but yeah. i think i think it's best to start with erin because she is the i think she is her archetype is usually the uh, the, the verge the verge and yeah, essentially the yes yeah. and she is super competent and 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 i think uh, sharni vinson who plays erin yeah sells it does a really good job sharni and she's not been in a lot else no she's not yeah i don't know how she she sells this as well as it could be sold but i don't i don't know how demanding that was but one thing i really appreciate is this type of role can sometimes be very vogue as in do you know like Angelina Jolie and Mr. and Mrs. Smith where every time she's doing some cool kick-ass thing she's like posing and yeah, she's like yeah. oh. I don't think they had the time or the money to do that in this film because they only had like a budget of a million dollars well, I don't think that uh, but you could have ju- I don't think that takes budget you just <laughs> I think it does because Angelina Jolie would be like do it again from this side but <laughs> but uh, no, I, no I, I, I think that's a credit to the actress because she's not trying to be a supermodel while she, she there's a scene where she's holding the yeah and you see her from outside the window and another actress would have posed like she was in the cover of vote she would have like had her shoulders up and she i'm doing i'm posing now with the <laughs> she she would have vogued a picture it. of you now and you she would have vogued it and she would have yeah. been and angelina jolie's a, a, i love sarah michelle getter as buffy but there's a lot of scenes in Buffy where she holds the axe and she's standing there her hair is all yeah. quaffed and I often there's a little trope I've noticed where a lot of when a lot of women are in horror and they have this bit of blood on their forehead <laughs> just just below their hairline and it's it's framing their eyebrow and it's 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 this it's almost like it's beautiful uh, not in this maybe no she uh, has uh, Sharni Vincent isn't voguing as Erin she is Erin doesn't give a shite what she looks no, like and she gets sprayed with blood and she's yeah she's a yeah, wreck but there is a continuity issue there like there's one oh, scene yeah, where she, she gets, like she gets she, sprayed with blood and the next scene she doesn't her have her hair is all blood. lovely and, yeah, yeah. yeah but whatever that's not her fault as an actress that's yeah. just editing yeah so she's great and she is great she is great I mean the first scene I think where she really demonstrates her competence you know it, it kind of it is quite gradual as you say because in she goes into the kitchen an arm comes through the kitchen window, grabs her, and she happens to have a knife, stabs him in the arm. So you think, ooh, okay, wasn't expecting yeah. that. Straight straight away. away. But also you think, well, maybe it was just, you know, it was a lucky shot or something. It was, you know, lucky yeah. that she had and a knife. It's not like it's it's not like these the heroines are completely helpless i mean yeah if you think of Lor- uh, the laurie nancy and sydney have all we've praised their competence in all the films but aaron takes it 10 degrees above the first scene where you really see the competence of her is where one of the masked home invaders comes through the window and so she's got knives in her hand she's bringing knives back to uh one of the one of the family members one of the brothers and his girlfriend and uh, this guy crashes through the window. She falls back and the knives go everywhere. 
And he's got, is it a machete he has? He has or a an machete axe? and she has a meat, uh, like a meat Yeah, so she there. kicks him in the nuts, essentially. She's kind of, she's moving back on the floor as if, you know, okay, here goes, here she's gone. Uh, but she kicks him in the nuts and then gets a meat tenderizer hammer. And she tenderizes and she his tenderizes face. tenderizes the hell out of his knees, out of his face, Which is exactly what I always say in a film when they, because how many horror films does the killer get tripped up and the person has a weapon and yeah. then they run away yeah, what yeah, was yeah. the film that I what did I say during his, there was a film that we watched a, a year or two <laughs> yeah. ago and the ki- you were like you were like if I was there I would just keep stomping until I saw a jam <laughs> I think it was uh, Wolf Creek because oh, yeah. she kind of overcomes him she shoots him in the cheek and he collapses and then she like leaves and I was like turn his face to jam because <laughs> that's what you need to do when yeah. someone's well okay yeah, no, so I appreciate all that. I think the scene that I'm really on board with her is when she's in the basement and she's smashing all the light bulbs. That's a really good scene, And then yeah. she gets her camera, which has been... She, they've established that she has a camera and she's in photography already. She's been taking photos the whole time and she st- sets the flash on. And that's so clever. Very clever. It's so, so clever and so, so simple. So she kind of blinds the guy coming in. She blinds him and she takes him down with... I won't say without breaking a sweat. It's and that's what well, it's never with that. It's never no, with and that's yeah. that's why I think this elevates her character in this slightly above what it. They could have just made her be this invincible, invincible yeah. and that wouldn't have given it she any attention. She gets shot. She gets injured. She gets glass in her leg. She is running know. away from them a lot. Yeah, of yeah, yeah. Though she's they screaming. From yeah, them, yeah, though they. I love the scene where. He's uh, she stabs a guy in the shoulder, the the killer, and he runs away from her. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then she also sets up the traps with the nails as well, which is a bit home alone-y. It's, I mean, it's very home alone-y. I will say one thing I didn't agree with her is that she has uh, an axe, which is probably the best weapon to have in that scenario, and she sets up this trap that only works if he comes. So she essentially gives up Was her it axe. An axe or a mallet? No, it's an axe. Oh, I thought it was a mallet. No, because it, it slices your man's... Which is a bit kind of Tom and Jerry. <laughs> very Tom and Jerry. Um, she has to sacrifice a very good weapon. She doesn't have a weapon after that. She ends up picking up a knife. So... She has, uh, well, I mean, she's got meat cleavers, she's got knives. I mean, she, got, like, at various points in the film, she has different weapons. But at that point, she had an axe, and then she sacrificed the axe. And then your man doesn't even go in the door. I don't door. know if the axe would be great, though, because an axe is a very large... <laughs> <laughs> word like the merits of different weapons yeah. have. I don't know the axe would be very it, it was a very very long axe with a very small head so you're kind of like I just feel it would have some, so would a you take a big swing at somebody what weapon would you go to <laughs> <laughs> would you prefer a little uh, knife a big machete well I thought the machete was better because a machete is the same length but it's all blade I just feel there's more weight on that I'd be more scared of someone running at me with an axe if rushes you and you have an axe I would be more scared at someone running at me with an axe than a machete. Oh, no, I don't think so. No? No, I don't think so. I think it'd be easier to touch. I mean, if I'm honest, Connor, I wouldn't be that comfortable with either. It's getting very odd. This yeah. is, we've seen too many slashers, Paul, we've and they were like, how would we do it? Yeah. The, the, the chainsaw is my favourite because you don't have to put any force behind it. Yeah, it's got a lot, lot, of, lot of noise as well, a lot of scary yeah. noise. Yeah, so that that's kind of all I can say. She's, she's she is the only interesting character in this to live yeah. the only character you see in this movie yeah. who lives even the police guy who turns up at the end oh, dies yeah I think that's a bit silly can we talk can we talk about the opening scene okay because I think it's terrible 
You think it's terrible? I think it. No, I don't think it's. Ter- I think it's an old man having sex with a student. I think it's uninspired. It's. It's not old. He's he's a mature man. Well, he's in his, well I mean, he's okay. So not old, but older man. He's he's, he's fifty. Say he's, he's about fifty, and she's about twenty, and there it opens up having them having sex, and they make this decision that she's not enjoying it. Yeah, I was thinking that. I Why? was thinking, is she? I, I maybe. Well, I don't know. I was I was trying to think that like they say later on that oh that's Bob's house and Bob is a lecturer and he's run off from his wife with this 20 year old student well I sorry and before you just move on it's well it's in my head I thought that might be a little commentary on the relationship between Crispian uh, who is Aaron's boyfriend because he was used to be her professor yeah yeah maybe we'll go okay so go on so you would kind of think well she's made this decision to run off with her 50 year old lecturer I'd only do that if you thought he, you know if you were enjoying it but uh, the feeling like you can see in her face you don't think she's, she's enjoying not at all it. enjoying it she's miserable and then i was kind of thinking maybe it was just the actress wasn't too happy with what she was doing or something well i, I, I just like didn't why, like, there's no point in that scene of making it out that it's a they're not happy or either of them are not happy because they're only in it for three minutes well, i actually think had you had showed this really loving relationship it would have been worse. It would have been. We would have been more inv- like. We would have been more invested in them living. Had they been all tender to each other, and, and he, literally, you see this young girl. He's writhing on top of her for a couple of seconds. Then he, the second he, she's like, "I'm going to shower." She's miserable. She walked around with her boobs out for a couple of seconds. She puts on a. You don't know. Is she miserable? I mean, she's got a bit of a, a scowl on her face, but you don't like. She doesn't say anything. You know, she's not like she's wanting to get out of there. She's walking around with her shirt off and put music on and getting a drink and I just the, the fact that the, there's no love I, I just I, it was a choice that they made and I'm, I'm the only conclusion I can come maybe they made maybe the actors made a decision that they had just had an argument and they had makeup sex or something I don't know makeup sex is hot that wasn't hot <laughs> so, so she gets killed he comes out of the shower he sees and maybe she was just like my career's not going anywhere because I'm in this fucking scene for it's, three minutes. It's, it's, it's it's very cliche of like you got a woman with her boobs out who's been very sexualized and then she's killed. Instant error. Interesting trivia. Mm. The original scene, opening scene, was meant to be an old man uh, finding his dog beheaded, and then he gets killed. But that the producers been, asked him, asked, wanted to change to whatever. That would have been more interesting. Mm. This is essentially going back to the whole: anyone who has sex in these films gets punished. I feel like she's getting punished for having sex with her lecturer, and he's getting punished for having sex with a student and neither of them are even enjoying the sex so it wasn't even worth it I think after you find out the point of why these guys are actually stalking main characters in this you realise that the only that they're not they, they didn't punish them because they were having sex the only reason no, they, they went just, they just did it to up the body count so that it wouldn't seem so suspicious that this family got killed no I don't think that's it I think they they did this because it was the only house in the vicinity which was in running distance where oh, they could okay, okay. help so it wasn't punishing anybody it was just like this is the only house that the, a person could run to to get help so let's just kill these people okay that makes sense I, I also think there's something to be said that so okay so the reason why this is all happening is because the two two of the sons Crispian and Felix want everyone in their family to be killed so they get the inheritance yeah so their parents have come into a lot of money recently yeah come into a lot of money I just thought they were rich 
Well, I think they were very well off, but then he got some redundancy package or something, okay, okay. which was massive. So yeah, so they, they killed basically. Um, that We will talk more in detail about that later. So what, my thing was that, well, if all just all the family members get killed, then it, the suspicion might lie on the sons. But if a neighbor, the next house also gets killed, that will kind of be like, oh, these are just maniacs that were killing people in the area. I guess both, but work. Both work. Yeah, yeah. I think the, at the end, they say that Aaron was meant to be the sole survivor. <laughs> Well, I don't know if it was if 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 he was just saying that or if it was true that she was meant to survive so that she could be a witness to what happened. Well, what do you think? Do you think it is true? I don't. I don't know because I think they probably. If that was the case, they wouldn't have tried. They would have stopped after the brother was killed. After the asshole brother Drake, because everyone else was dead. Why did they keep on trying to kill Aaron then? Uh, was everyone else dead at that point? Probably. They, they, uh, no, Aaron. Well, actually, she had killed one of the military guys who was a brother of the so, other ones, and then he wanted to So you think that, so, okay, so let, let, we'll just set the scene a little bit just for, uh, so we got, okay, we got Aaron, who's come to the house with Crispian, and yeah. then Crispian and his brother Felix decide to kill everybody apart from, in your view, Aaron, uh, as a witness, so they will inherit everything. Okay, well, here's the question. Okay, here's the question. Why bring her otherwise? Because it's a reunion and he's her girlfriend. They're well, only I mean, together not very long. Like, what's the point? In, like, if they, Well, maybe he just didn't care about her, but why, you know, if it was his girlfriend and maybe, you know, he liked her and whatever, why bring her to this? I mean, he was freaking lucky to be with her. Yeah, but again, why bring her if, uh, you know, if he, if, well, okay, if he was lucky to be with her and... But do you not think he would have been more cautious about her not being killed then? Well, I suppose he thought that she was just going to carry her off somewhere and they wouldn't just go near her. I feel like they would have been, I feel like the killers would have been like, okay, we have to make sure that the Australian girl survives. And they're not like that at all. Like, they, this, they, your man with the tiger mask tries to kill her in one of the early scenes. He just approaches her. He he crashes through the um, yeah, but he's trying to kill her. The glass, and also he they, shot, they fire her, they fire arrows at her. She's the only one who gets an arrow. Um, oh, that's true. Actually, yeah. yeah, I I think you're giving Crispin a lot of credit. <laughs> yeah. I just don't see why why he would have brought her then. But, but perhaps a part of him wanted to show her off to his family. Maybe. Yeah, he is a bit. He's like a, that. he's a he's a bit of a failure. He's and a loser. an absolute loser as a character and like he's so pathetic and you don't get that no you don't no no, I I don't I yeah you don't get that feeling at the start at the start there's this sibling rivalry going on between him and Drake yeah and Drake seems a bit like uh, an arrogant arsehole of the family who looks down on everybody else and and their decisions in partners I have to say Joe Swanberg sells that quite well yeah he's quite good he's he's such an asshole such a dickhead but actually you find out that he's quite nice and uh, Mm -hmm. yeah well after he's gotten after he's gotten an hour on the shoulder how is he nice well, he's he's trying to help out. He, you know, um, helps Aaron with atta- fending off one of the attackers. <laughs> I don't know that quite. I think he's a horrible person. But he's a, he's an arsehole. I'd say he's bullied his brothers all his life. 
and at the start when Crispin when when the bickering starts you're on Crispin's side you think look he's doing okay Drake he's is, a lecturer he's a bloody professor well not maybe a professor but he's a lecturer he's doing yeah. well for himself and you're like yeah you go Crispin but then obviously you figure out later on that he's in on this scheme <laughs> and then you kind of think he's pathetic because he cares so much about he's a, he's a very privileged lad like he has a good job and obviously his parent his father has put a lot of pressure on him to succeed and he, he does kind of say oh lots of non-published people have got it but whatever that doesn't give he he sets about murdering everybody in his family just to get rich just to get the inheritance and and felix is the same and and he, I almost think he's even worse because Felix twice says, do you know how hard this is for me? Like when he's stabbing his brother, he's not like, oh yeah, I'm sorry about this. He's like, just die. Do you know how hard this yeah, is yeah, for yeah. me? And then he like scolds one of the killers yeah. for killing. He's like, this is hard enough for me already. It's like, Why did you have to kill my dad in front of me? You've orchestrated a massacre for your family. Stop. The two of them are feeling very sorry for themselves. Crispian is the type of character that remi- is, is the, he reminds me of the type of guy who considers himself a nice guy that gets really angry at girls for not fancying him and only going for the bad guys and he's like but I'm a nice guy and it's like no you're not a nice guy you're just a meek guy and he has somehow you're not, a, not an ethically sound guy no <laughs> and he has somehow managed to bag this absolute Stop. knockout of Aaron who is genuinely into him I don't think Aaron was into him to fulfill some professor fantasy she no, genuinely no. seems and, and, that's, e- and that, I think that it's, it, it's clever in that it makes that distinction because at dinner Drake says oh are you a student of his and she's, she goes well I used to be but I'm not anymore but yeah. she's still with him and uh, one of, what I really like about Aaron and which, why, why I think she's the, the shining star in this film is that one of, I can't remember who I think it might be Drake says to her oh Chris because Crispian leaves halfway through to find help in for the commas but actually it's just to get out of there and Drake says oh he, he's strong he's brave he'll be fine and Aaron is like no he's not strong thanks for saying thanks that. for saying it yeah. which I love because she doesn't give a shit about that she just thought he was a sweet guy who she probably was into his intellectual oh. well you see that was that was an example of Drake being nice okay 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 i'll give you that he was being that was a charity a nice charitable thing to say yeah okay i still think what he says to he's clearly a dick but what he says to his sister's boyfriend uh, Tariq is about the so so one of his sisters and her boyfriend who are in it blinking you'll miss them she's i don't know what she is and his boy he's he's a filmmaker and he's just like being a dick he's like oh he's making ads because i think ads are the best type of he's a documentarian and he's just being an asshole and he's saying him. well why don't you make some ads I love those ads they're great you know have, have you made any movies and this kind mm. of stuff um, I w- he's being a privileged rich oh, arse no, yeah but but to an extent redeems it through things like that I don't that. think he redeems it I think he maybe uh, doesn't come off as the worst person in the world but but he's not massacring his whole family <laughs> no but I, I still think he's not a nice yeah. person the sister oh Sister. Well, his, his girlfriend is also not a very yeah, she's horrible. And she, yeah. oh, her accent is so jarring. Yeah. You know? um, so annoying. Yeah, and and Aaron has been nothing but a sweetheart. This the sister that gets killed, but the, I almost think that scene is comical. This is, I think Aaron is great, but I think there's so many things in this film that I think are a bit don't work. Do you know who I'm talking about when I said the sister? Which sister now? 
She's the only sister. There's three boys and one girl. She's the one. As soon as she she comes quite late, she's Tariq. the one who gets. She runs into the piano wire. Yeah. And yeah. well, what happens is obviously her boyfriend is killed. That's terrible. Obviously. Mm. <laughs> and they're in the hall, and then they're all panicking. And then Tariq is her boyfriend. Yeah. Yeah. He was totally gay. Like, sorry, <laughs> but she starts saying i can run and they're like no don't do that and she's yeah, like yeah. you don't believe you never you believe never in me it's like this isn't mean. about your ability as a freaking athlete like they just don't want you to run to your imminent death and they have this weird scene like where they're like well, we'll open the door just before you get there and she and it's slow motion she's, she she starts complaining that they've never believed in her for her athletic ability and then they're like oh right yeah you're right yeah you run out here what into, are you talking about your murderers. boyfriend has just been murdered and your brother's just been your shot has a this narrow is through his eyes. Not the time to talk about your family dynamics. <laughs> Shut up. Shut up. <sighs> anyway, she gets her come up and by running out the door. almost comical because yeah. they have this big do do Oh, yeah, slow do, motion run do, towards do, the door. I think it's stupid. It is stupid, but it's kind of fun. I don't think it is funny. I think there's a couple of kills in this which are funny, and I thought that was one. What's the other kill that's funny? The, the head blender. Head blender. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably the most interesting kill. I feel like that wouldn't work. No, I don't think it would. But they... one of the creepier things about this movie, this movie is kind of a mixture of creepy, scary, unsettling home invasion, kind of funny comedy, and yeah, and just action. Two of the creepier things about this movie. The animal masks. The animal masks, and when the when one of the one of the women, uh, one of the girlfriends, gets away to run down to this house where the two people in the first scene have been killed, she gets there, and as she's banging on the door, you see the animal mask come out. Yeah, that is good. That's creepy. Second creepy bit: the mother goes up to lie down. This is ridiculous. They've just had arrows coming in through their house, you know, through people's eyes, and they put the mother up to bed and say, "You stay there. You'll be grand. Nobody's going to hang around with you." And then you just see this arm coming out from under yeah, the bed. Yeah, it is good. It is good. Creepy as well. Also, she has a machete through the head, which is pretty... Third creepy element. The dad goes up, mm. looking around the place, and realizes that one of the people, probably the person under the bed, has been there since the start, since they arrived. They never do anything been living with it. There. Yeah, that, yeah, but they never do anything with it. No, they don't. Which they they realise yeah. someone's in the house as soon as the mother's killed. And then they keep separating. Yeah. Like, Drake's wife, who's the one who runs to the house, she is in the mother. She is in the room with the mother. And she's on her own and looking around. And then even Aaron, everyone keep they, they've been shot through the windows, yet they keep walking in front of windows for this. There's so many times where I'm like, what are you doing? Stop it. Yes, Aaron is really competent, but everyone else is almost... I almost feel that the incompetence of everyone else... I like think... the mother... I this think is it's such a trope, sorry. Yeah, okay. one thing, the, a trope I hate. I hate, and this was in my Bloody Valentine as well, is when there's lots of people start getting killed and it's a character, you always a woman, just is like, I can't, I can't walk, I can't do anything. And everyone's like, come on, that's so frustrating. Just stand up. I don't think, but I think that's actually, if you were having a panic attack, you know, you might lose the, the if you're in shock, I would you're having really a panic confident. attack, you might lose the use of your legs. It's just, uh, it, it's just frustrating to watch. And it's just like, stop it. Just 
it's so yeah. and they put her to I mean, bed and you don't leave someone it's you don't leave someone and then everyone keeps going city. off on their own when they know there is a murderer it's in the house very easy not having been in that situation to say well i wouldn't lose the use i wouldn't i know legs. i wouldn't i know i wouldn't you'd be up a tree <laughs> i would have the confidence to do that but Erin makes some good decisions. She closes the curtains, which is the first yes. thing you should do. No, I'm, no, I've no. But I just there's so many things that other characters do in this film that are irritating. The father goes off on his own. The mother, they leave the mother alone. Half the characters. Father goes upstairs by himself to check on them. Like they know. They know there's a killer there. Yeah. Stop it. Also, the Aubrey and Paul, who are the parents, are totally miscast. Well, yeah, 40 they're, years married. They're not. They're about like, 50. Uh, yes. And they're. Uh, she, he, I think, is 51. I think she's 53 when this was made. So they were children. 13. Th- children when they got married. And it's not like. I think that might have worked had they gotten Crispian and Drake all to be in their early 20s or even late teens. But they're clearly in their it early. It didn't th- work because it was their 40th wedding anniversary. Well, whatever. <laughs> had they made it their 30th wedding anniversary and had all the kids be between. 18 16, and 17, 26 yeah, yeah. and that and I, yeah but the the the, the, the crispin is clearly 38 yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah it doesn't work there was a do you know the scene with the, so the mother they have her hair up and she's kind of wearing a mom outfit in the start it's a bit gray it's she long. must be like, but the scene where she has her hair down and she goes to the fridge she, i was like who's that babe <laughs> she's this beautiful woman in her well maybe early 40s it's just totally miscast yeah they are miscast totally just hire some older actors it's fine we, we I'm alright it's right a with bit weird isn't it that they would choose to go with actors who are clearly not on their 40th no I mean Paul story. is the best looking man in this film he's yeah. gorgeous yeah oh, that actor has I think been in a lot of other stuff. He was in uh, Star Trek. He's he's been in a lot of other stuff, but very small parts. He was in yeah, Star Trek I don't Into play, Darkness because he's a handsome man. I can't. Yeah. What you don't you don't think he's handsome? No, he is. He's very he's very yeah. handsome. Well, I can understand why he's gotten in lots of roles. Yeah, lots of small things. Like he was in Star Trek Into Darkness I mean, as no, an ensign. There's no something. stars in this film. Yeah. No, there's not. No. Uh, she, she's the mother, uh, Aubrey. She's in quite a few things as well if you look at the cast across the board most of these actors are her actors yeah, yeah yeah and i and the thing is i don't even think aubrey or paul bring anything to the roles that make i could excuse it if i thought they brought something but there's no they don't do anything interesting i i would have been more interested had they been accurately portrayed as older people I think it would have and I think that would have been more yeah it definitely would have been more interesting the other character that I want to talk about is Z she's fucking awful oh, yeah she's a caricature the first time she's, she's in, a total caricature she's yeah. introduced to the mother smoking a cigarette and then doesn't Her, even say hello and doesn't he, she's like this is my mum and she's just like <sighs> just kind of awful and that line fuck me fuck next, me next to, to your dead, dead, dead mom mother. then it's awful and it's not even funny I, I kind of think if maybe if she'd leaned into it 20% more it might have been a caricature but she's not over acting enough to be caricature it's a bit odd because the rest of the, the tone of the rest of the movie and the actors is not that no it's very it's actually very to a certain extent I don't, real I don't find this a comedy a, a, a well, lot of pe- certain comedy <sighs> elements to it but yeah 
there's some bits that are so over the top such as fuck me next to your dead mom that yeah you're like well obviously they meant it to be comedy and the acts of the the, the police officer at the end you're kind of like maybe that's a bit yeah, farcical yeah. but I don't think that I don't think the tone is, is compatible with a comedy horror I think it's well it's not like scary movie or something like, the, like some farcical no, but even, thing like that even Scream has funny elements and I think that the balance of comedy and horror in Scream is much more deftly handled than it is in this I think this was trying to it was definitely trying to be more horror than comedy with one or two comedic elements to it but she was as you said maybe she was just the weakest actor uh, of them it's not her fault uh, she wasn't given a line this is my mother smoke what are you meant to do with that uh, given the line oh, fuck me next to your dead mother how can you make that good <laughs> You gave it a good start shot there at the start. <laughs> I don't actually think she's a bad actress. I just think she was given nothing. She was given dreadful. Her character is ridiculous. She had a good. She had a bit of an action scene at the end. Herself and Aaron fight at the end, and she, regardless of all these military trained people and whatever, manages to get one up on Aaron more than anybody else. So, the script for this film, I think, is a bit weak sauce but I actually think the direction is not bad I think the direction is very good it's, it's directed by Adam Wingard Wing, Winding or Win, something Wingard, Wingard who if you look at his past he's Australian his accolades are all her all her he's, he's had a couple of really good ones VHS I really enjoyed He now VHS is an anthology so he actually didn't so that is kind of this it's a group of criminals find this house that's abandoned and they find various VHS's and they watch them each and each VHS film is its own separate film so he didn't direct the whole thing he just directed the thing that part of it he directed the part the main part the part that connects everything together oh right he also directed one of the have you heard of the A to Z of murder ABC of Murders. ABC of Murders. Or ABC of Death. Or yeah, he directed one of them. That I have. I've actually gimmicky. meant to watch it, but I haven't watched it, it yet. Sounds so gimmicky. I think anthology might be an interesting genre that we might cover at some stage. A tricky one to review because there's so many parts, but whatever. We did Death Note as well, which is quite a famous. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, but, but but in terms of direction for this, I, I don't even mean those things that you mentioned. I just mean the way it's filmed, it has this kind of shake cam, slight realism. It was filmed hand Almost held. documentary style that I thought actually worked very well. I also It's not quite documentary style, I don't just think. Just feel there's something, hand, it, even though it's not a, um, a lost footage film, it has certain intimate elements that, that you gain from those I think it's I think it's pretty slickly directed actually well, I think it was it was directed mostly with handheld yeah. uh, cameras just to give it a bit more attention I think, I think that worked and I don't know if that he also directed the new Blair Witch yes um, yes he did so he yeah he maybe watched. that was a style that yeah, he was interested yeah, yeah, yeah. in I, I, and VHS is very similar to I that I mean it is it, that's all yeah. handheld yeah, yeah yeah I also think the music is great in this it is actually it has much. this weird now I don't think it's particularly original but it has this weird do you know the shining it just has these kind of weird sounds it's not even music it's more kind of eerie kind of like a one note it almost sounds like a banshee or something mm-hmm. otherworldly yeah, yeah. playing through and then when she's doing her Macaulay Colgan impression it has this great 80s it had an 80s vibe didn't it that, yeah. just that bit though I do think it cut off 
It was very jarring. It, it had, the 80s vibe reminded me of It Follows or something yeah, like that. Yeah, I don't think it was as good. No, no, no. Uh, well done, it, the no. music nor the direction. But it had that vibe. And this is before It Follows. But I mean, it's, It Follows and this both take their inspiration from other 80s films. But no, I think the music was great, actually. I think probably one of the better elements. And I think the direction as a whole was, was very good. I think he did a good Solid. job. Yeah, he did yeah. a good job. The, the assassins, the masks they wear, the, the animal masks. When I was in Glasgow, I had a birthday party. And all. Uh, and beforehand, I went to a, I mean, because I just studied animal welfare in college. And a couple of my friends went to a shop and we bought all these animal masks. And they remind me of the masks in this film. Yeah. But I think my masks are better. Here, I'll show you a picture. And I'll put this on our Instagram. Have you seen this before? I'm sure you have. It's pretty scary. It is kind of freaky, all right. But I actually... Th- so we got we got an, a mouse, an owl, it was an elephant, yeah. donkey, cow, I don't know what the fuck, a fox, bunny, badger, hedgehog, and black sheep. It was difficult in certain scenes of this. They were all meant to be different animals, but they're, they're too diff- similar. They're too similar. They were all white. Yeah. There was a fox, a sheep, and a, sh- a fox, a lamb, a and a tiger. But they were, because they were white, I, d- I th- just... I actually think the animal motif would be quite cool and was, was quite scary but they were too similar yeah. I couldn't tell I, I can't tell you who got stabbed when and who got you stabbed you were saying where. to me throughout maybe oh is that the lamb one or is that the tiger one or whatever yeah, yeah. I didn't yeah so I had they just had the, the masks that I'll put this on the Instagram actually so people can see mm-hmm. had they just had these it would have been better <laughs> yeah that's all I have to say we've diversity all white no diversity whatsoever I will say it does pass the Bechdel cast you get the Bechdel, Bechdel test, test I should say it, uh, you have Z and Erin when Erin talks about her upbringing and it's pretty 50-50 in terms of female to male female to male but well, I, I was struggling to find a thesis statement <gasps> I sort of have one okay well, we need to use the music again, Paul. So you have to come up with these things. Well, Paul's thesis statement. The only one I can think of is uh, most slashers have to have a hook. Okay, so Scream's hook is that it's meta. Freddy Nightmare on Elm Street's hook is that it's in your dreams. Happy Death Day's Day hook is that it's Groundhog Day. Yeah. And this film's hook is that Erin is a fucking badass. She, is, she turns is, the tables on the yeah, actual Yeah, she turns killers. the tables. Yeah. And there is a kind of a nice scene where the killer takes his mask off in this film and Aaron, and it's almost like he becomes the victim and Aaron becomes the hunter. And I think mm. that's a nice little bit of cinema. But they can't put that in the advertising because that's a twist yeah. of sorts. So I feel like the filmmakers of this film were like, well, how do we make people bothered with this film? So they came up with You're Next as in the killers when they kill someone they paint your next on the wall which really only happens twice which happens twice and it's not that interesting Mm. so I kind of think if this is even worthy of a thesis statement I don't think there's enough meat in the bones in this film to really have a worthy opinion but if there is one my thesis statement is that the hook of this film isn't the title it's because that's just filler to create some sort of hook to drag people in because the actual hook of this film can't be used because if they use it it spoils the film I wonder if the producers of this film were hoping that it would 
attract a certain people who like horror to it and then word would spread oh there's a great twist and you know yeah, blah, blah, maybe. Blah, 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 and it, it, it did quite well it did very well yeah it did very well it, actually it, 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 the budget was apparently a million dollars and it made 27 28 million dollars yeah, word of so. mouth was good and in, within the slasher house invasion scene it's, it's pretty gore. it's pretty well regarded genre have you ever heard of that uh, subgenre? Mumble gore. No. Mumble core. No. What's but then that? because it's horror, it's mumble gore. What is it? So, mumble core is a, a, apparently a stylistic uh, form of movie, which is kind of naturalistic, so mm-hmm. natural acting. A um, lot of drama and generally drama between for people between 20 and 30. Hmm. So, it's apparently part of the mumble core slash mumble gore. Genre, subgenre. There you go. Mm. Connor's thesis statement. <laughs> Connor. Yeah. Let's look at our list. Okay, where is this going? Can I, I tell you where you're going to go low? Yeah, I am going to go low. Very low. Very low. I'm going to go. F- I'm going to go fifteen. No, I'm not giving it. No. I mean, it's above. That's still. That's above nine. And uh, no, I would put it above uh, Escape from New York as well. Is that where you would put it? 14? I, I feel I'm not going to argue much higher than that. To be honest, I would maybe put it. Do you think above it's better than Flatliners? I would. I would no, say. No, I don't. I, I definitely think Flatliners is better. Good. Tell me your instinct. Just tell me your instinct. Is it better than SEO Trot? No. <laughs> <laughs> your instinct is flawed. Um. Yeah, I see. I quite enjoyed it. I, uh, when I look at the list, to be fair, the only film I think that, that I don't enjoy is Nine. So I don't think. I don't think. I don't think. It, I think it's better than Escape from New York. No, I disagree. I don't think a lot happened in Escape from New York. I think that's. A I think it's better than Flatliners. Um, really? For me, it was more entertaining. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I would put it. I would put it at thirteen and move the rest of them down. Well, I would put it at at, at fifteen. So do you want to make a compromise and put it between Flatliners and Escape from New York? No, I just want to put it at thirteen. So you want you think it's above Flatliners? No, it's not. I mean, the acting is much better in Flatliners. There's arcs in Flatliners. Nearly all the characters in Flatliners have arcs. I will say the music is better in this. All right, go on. Number fourteen. Well, fourteen then. is a kind of a nice. If you think it's thirteen, and I think it's fifteen, then fourteen becomes a compromise. Yeah, but sometimes I'm just right, and we don't need to compromise. Debatable. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Rare, all right rare, okay so rare. we're being compromised in there uh where we're putting what's this film called again you're next <laughs> your next is number 14 on our list okay there now just before we wrap up let's have a very quick overview of slashers this is our week of slasher and it's definitely in terms of replacement and i think that's fair okay but I have to say, I've really enjoyed Slasher Week, month, season. I feel this has been, for you particularly, because you've gotten into uh, the lockdown period has been, you know, difficult for everybody. But I think you've really enjoyed those slasher films with a lot of history, a lot of episodes, episodes, chapters or whatever. And doing all the research into those in quite detail. I have, detail. yeah. I, I, I'm not as dedicated. I no. I think it's it's been a fun genre. There's, there's a lot of trash in the genre, but I think our selections have been pretty strong. I will say though, if you're looking at the genre as a whole, 
one good thing about this genre is that it, it gives female characters a shan- chance to shine. All of the four films that we've covered and the vast majority of these films, not all, but the vast majority have had female characters. There are exceptions. The Child's Play has a male character. Freddy 2. You could even say My Bloody Valentine kind of has a, a male there's always exceptions to the rule. Uh, Friday the 13th, the one we saw. But as a whole, it is a genre that gives female actors a chance to be the lead role. I will, though, say... In a, in a, in a position generally of weakness, unfortunately. Perhaps. But, but there is a lot of... But, but I will say a lot of the main characters do have a... Films give them a chance to rise up and overcome the antagonist. The evil yeah. antagonist yeah. I will say, if you look at Laurie... Nancy, Sydney, and Erin. All four of them are white. All four of them are beautiful. They're all very one. What's the term? What about? They're all the same body type. Okay. They're all very kind of. And I wouldn't ever take that, uh, put that against any of the four actresses. But I will just say it's a very particular type of woman that is. Is being that platformed. is that because the the particular type of audience member tends to be a man I don't necessarily think that's true I think slasher audiences are probably 50-50 in terms of gender yeah I wouldn't have thought so if you think of any of our I friends I don't think all the f- any of the if four if you think of our friends any of our friends and I would say a lot of the girls would say oh no I don't like going seeing blood and guts and all that kind of stuff I think that could be our friends but I think lots of girls no, I think that's also my friends I think yeah but I don't think slash. Uh, to be fair I don't think any of these slasher films overly sexualize their main characters there is definitely women in these films that are sexualized but, but I don't, I don't so I don't feel they're like pinups that Laurie, Nancy, Sydney, and Aaron are any of them sexualized? Overly? Well, it's not necessarily that they have to be sexualized, but I mean, it's it's if the if the main audience member is a man, then it pays dividends, I suppose, to have a beautiful, good-looking female lead, uh, regardless of whether you know they're sexualized or anything like that. I think that's just Hollywood. Well, that is Hollywood, yeah. of course. Maybe we've been, I don't, although maybe I don't think that's true. Maybe we haven't been diverse in our choices, but I don't think. Can you think of a, a slasher movie with a, a different ethnicity? Um, um, maybe, is Candyman a slasher? Yeah, I suppose. Maybe, yeah. but the, but nah. but that I mean, I'm, but the lead in that is a is a woman as well, a white mm. woman. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It is a white woman. I suppose this might come into my maybe this might be a nice segue into my thoughts on my next genre and my next kind of going forward and in regards to black lives matter because there's been this argument that you know uh oscar's so white a lot of people are saying well the oscars are picking the best nominated roles and the best and if there isn't black people that they think or or asian people or any other ethnicity that they think are worthy therefore if you can't win the Oscars, you should go back to the roots and be like, well, why aren't they offering people, black people, Asian people, these roles? And you can have that argument, but if you look at our films that we've picked so far, we've picked 15 films and 16 with your next, every single one of our films have had white leads. And the diversity, that the only real diversity that we've picked is that Essio Trot and Harold and Maude have had women that are mature and and uh, and in our defense we're both lgb we're both queer men and none of our they've all been heterosexual as well so i do think that we're just picking films that we've grown up with that we've liked and they just don't happen 
of the films that we've liked haven't been queer and haven't been ethnically diverse so going forward i think it might be interesting to not actively do it all the time but maybe just to have to to pick directors and pick films that have queer voices that have black voices asian voices and stuff and and give them the minuscule platform that we have what do you think I'm a bit embarrassed to say what my next uh, genre is, but okay, go on. Well, when when there's all when this Black Lives movement, obviously this is going on years, but when it all kicked off in the last fortnight, I began kind of reflecting on our film choices and stuff, and I began thinking about the next choice that we might do. And for the tiniest second, and I can't stress that enough, the tiniest second, I thought, well, maybe we should do a. A, a theme of of um, black uh, content creators, black filmmakers, and then almost as soon as I, that came into my head, I thought, well, that assumes that the default is white, and that a black filmmaker then becomes a a niche, and that's wrong. The same way that doing a, you know, I just think that we should just pick another genre, and then maybe just have it be a bit more conscious to be a bit more diverse in our selection. Because we're quite critical in our films for not being diverse, but we're picking those films. We are picking those films, but I don't. To be honest, my knowledge of who directed what and directors is shockingly bad. I never know any of these films that we've we've picked. I never know anything about the director until we've actually watched it and then we're coming to do the podcast and say, oh, I better look up something about yeah, the director. Maybe so it's should. never a conscious decision on my part or that that would have any bearing on the choices that I make. To be honest, I just pick movies that I think, oh, that was fun. I enjoyed that. Yeah, and, you but, know. I, but I think maybe we should be a bit more conscious. Now. Like, I'm a big reader. I'm a big book reader. And every book I read, I, I, I log on Goodreads. And uh, about six months ago, I decided to just have a little tally of how many authors, how many books that I read are by men and women and by white men white women or black men you know just just as as a as a matter of curiosity and of 200 books that i recorded uh, only one of them was written by a non-white man um which was an indian man and not one was written by a woman that wasn't white it was pretty 50 50 in terms of the, and i was kind of almost kind of annoyed at myself for like having such a narrow view so i have been a bit more with my reading choice and i have been since then in the last six months i have been a bit more conscious to try and read books by a more diverse spectrum of authors and i think that maybe we should do that with our friends. i think that's uh, i think it's fair enough to say that we should give you know you, you you need to listen to other perspectives on the world and other authors and directors give you that but i don't think that that those 200 books that you'd read i wouldn't have thought i would have thought you had heard oh this book is good so maybe I'll give that a look. Of course. Rather, rather than going, oh, this is by this person or that person. or this, uh, yeah, you no, know. That's of course that was happened. But I mean, you, but isn't it weird that only the only books that, that, that came into my repertoire or came into my spectrum it's were by white kind of, yeah, were by white and, and the majority were by men as well. And then I would say about 40% female and 60% male. But... Th- there's there's no way sixty percent of the best filmmakers six or there's no way eighty percent of the best filmmakers of the best writers of the best everything are white men or white people. That's not the case. It's just that they're the ones that come into our spectrum. So if we're a little more, uh, if we're a bit more conscious of uh, the content that we examine, 
instead of necessarily being critical on the diversity of the content we get, let's be critical of the diversity that, of the content we choose to intake. Does that make sense? We can only try our best. I appreciate that, you know, yeah, you, you can be more conscious of thinking about these things when you're coming up with ideas. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. On that note, the, the genre I've picked next is, is nothing to do with race. And the genre I've picked is, or theme is heist. Heist movies. Heist movies. And if if my toss up wins, we are going to uh feature a my one of, if not my probably not my favourite, but certainly one of the top three films of two thousand and eighteen, uh which we bought on the cinema, which was Widows. Oh, which I yeah, I really love by Steve McQueen. Okay. My uh, one is Disney animated. Okay. Movies and Little Mermaid is Little the Mermaid, first one. Okay. Which is nineteen 19- Nine. Nine. Okay. Okay. You pick heads or tails. I keep picking. I keep losing. Just another. I keep losing. This Connor was gracious <laughs> enough to give me scream. We did. We edited that out of the episode, but he was gracious enough to give me that episode. I haven't won a toss up since freaking SEO trot. And by that mean, I mean the one that the one episode before that that won me that one. All so right, okay. Well, I hope I haven't won a theme since musicals. What? So come on, widows. Is your choice heads? No, you pick because I keep picking. Okay, I'll go tails. You go okay. tails. Heads. Okay. Heist. Tails. Disney animated. Uh, da, 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 da. Tails. Yay! What a toss up. And that's legit. We didn't fix it. It is. <laughs> Uh, so there you go so we'll be doing four heist films heist films Jesus I'll have to think about that now yeah there's plenty of them out there okay. and we'll be doing Widows so there you go so listen lads thanks for listening Connor do you want to tattle off our yes. social media so don't forget that you can visit our website which is www.silver-screamers.com send us an email silverscreamers at gmail.com you can find us on Facebook and Instagram Silver Screamers Podcast you can follow us on Twitter now at Silver Screamers and you can find us on iTunes Spotify SoundCloud and the Apple Podcast app on your Apple device oh you can also find us on Player FM uh, Woman in Work maybe I said this to me. the last one uh, Woman in Work um, was listening and uh, liked Player FM as her podcast choice and uh, wrote them an email saying you need to get this on and now we're on there so what? that's great Ooh, good for her thank you yeah, what's thanks. her name thanks Fiona thanks Fiona um, later well that's it thanks for listening to you guys okay. and we'll talk to you later take care bye, bye. next decade jumping damn damn it keep going keep going head blending back of fuck fuck me next to your dead mom then (laughs) 